Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Future is Bilingual podcast. My name is Heather. Thanks for joining me. I'm very excited to bring you this interview with Natalia Simmons, the author of two bilingual children's books, The Spanglish Girl and The Mexiclish Girl. We talk about why she wrote these books and how she was able to publish them on her own. And then we also talk about her own upbringing as a bilingual child and compare that with my experience of raising bilingual children and some of the tougher things and what she thinks her parents did well and why it was successful. We talk about where she thinks her work is going to go in the future and her favorite Spanish expression. So enjoy the interview. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Future is Bilingual podcast. Today, my guest is Natalia. Hi, Natalia. Hello. Thanks for having me. So nice to have you and just really excited to learn more about you because I don't know you personally yet. So please tell me and tell my audience more about you. Yeah, so I'm a bilingual children's author. Um, I have published a, my first book was published in January, which was called The Spanglish Girl. Mm-hmm. And I've recently written my second book, which is called The Mexiglish Girl, which is actually out on the 2nd of September. So they're both in Spanish, um, both bilingual books. And the main... This is, sorry, January of this year and September of this year? Yeah, January of this year. You published books in one year? That's amazing. Yeah, and while having a full-time job, so it has been mental. But, you know, we've been in a a pandemic. We've been on so many lockdowns in the UK, so I've had time to Mm -hmm. do that. I think if it wasn't for for the pandemic, I probably wouldn't have had enough time to publish two books in a year. Yeah, that is incredible. I'm Wow, I didn't realize that the the first one only came out in January. I was really thinking it was... From no. the previous year. Wow. This I'm year. impressed. <laughs> Thank and what, you. What's your full-time job? So, yeah, I'm, well, I've recently moved over to do, doing this full-time. So mm-hmm. I've opened up a publishing company and it's called Bilingo Books. Um, I've always loved writing. I've always been fascinated with different cultures. Obviously, growing up bilingual, it's always kind of fascinated me the fact that I could speak a second language and I've always wanted to do it professionally but I never really knew how I could incorporate the two Mm -hmm. so during the lockdown during the pandemic I came up with the idea of continuing to write my book so yeah that's what I did I I thought you know I've got I've got enough time to work on this book so I have to do it now otherwise I I will never finish it right I published the book, The Spanglish Girl, um, published it in January, but obviously I'd been working on it months beforehand. Mm-hmm. Hadn't found an illustrator yet, so mm-hmm. that's why I kind of had a bit of a break, but because I, I didn't know who to have as an illustrator. Then my, luckily my friend said that her sister is an illustrator, oh, and nice. I, which came in really handy because it's really difficult to trust illustrators or for them to really understand your vision. So I got in contact with her. She understood my vision. I think because she's bilingual too. She speaks English and Italian. So she she completely got it. I mm-hmm. sent her photos of the type of illustrations I wanted. She, she did an incredible job. And she's also illustrating my second book, which is more about... Mexican cultures it's based in Mexico the first one was based in Spain so this Mm -hmm. one's in Mexico and they all have a very similar theme where the main character is bilingual 
She struggles to speak Spanish at the start. She doesn't have much confidence. Some of her friends make fun of her. And then mm. over the day, she she comes to gain confidence. And her grandmother tells her, you know, you're, you're very lucky to be able to speak two languages, mm. to have dual heritages. Mm -hmm. You tell the other kids that you're lucky enough to speak two languages and then realize so that's it's kind of the similar theme for both books but obviously the difference between both of the books are the, the different cultural references and the traditions and the illustrations so yeah mm -hmm. I, I just decided uh, why don't I do this it's something I've really loved and it's opened up a completely new world I want to write more bilingual books my next one I'm thinking about writing it in French oh yeah so but what is your heritage just because we mentioned Spain and Mexico yeah my heritage is half English half Spanish so I grew up in the UK my father's English and my mother's Spanish and I'd always visit Spain in the summer holidays so mm. I think by visiting Spain every summer having a Spanish mother really made me realize how lucky I am to have another culture to be able to speak a second language and I absolutely loved it so it, it never felt like a chore to me I absolutely loved speaking a second language mm -hmm. that's so great and that's I really love the idea for your book um do you have a specific age group that you're targeting with that message you know the struggle um, maybe not fitting in what is the yeah. age it's uh, four to eight, but I do know there have been parents who bought their the book for like their ten year olds who, or who for children who are a little bit older. But predominantly, it's four mm -hmm. to eight. But I mean, if they're nine or ten or eleven, I'm I'm sure they're oh for sure. For sure. But it's quite yeah, it's it's quite a universal book. So I know I have published them both to be about Spain and about Mexico, but it, it could be for any country in latin america because it's, it's it's the same theme is being proud of your heritage and finding the confidence to realize yes i am lucky mm -hmm. i need to make this an advantage and and make the most of it really yeah yeah this is the situation and see the bright side not the not the other exactly. side and how did you pick mexico to be for the second book because i decided i wanted to um, write a book which was based in Latin America and I think my I know a bit more about Mexico I've been to Mexico I love the culture the food I know quite a few Mexican people so I th I decided I could do the second one would be I would feel more comfortable writing about Mexico only because I know a bit more about it but you know in the future I want to target so many different Latin American countries but I need to really research it first speak to the locals mm -hmm. find out a bit more before I put a pen and paper and decide to write about it yeah for sure there's a lot of diversity in Latin America but that's that's yeah. great and I think Mexico is it's a great place to start because I know just culturally like a lot of the films come from there and yeah. just a lot of what people that we consume as Americans that comes from Spanish-speaking Latin America yeah. is from Mexico so I think that's that's great yeah. and what other languages do you speak so I speak a little bit of Italian well I did I studied Spanish and Italian at university so mm -hmm. when I did do an exchange to Italy I did become fluent but it was about eight years ago now and I don't really practice the language enough now 
I mean, I, I'm sure I understand everything, but I, I would love to practice my Italian and with travel, I, you know, I haven't been able to travel for two years and I don't know many Italian people near me to practice. So I do speak, I would say I'm probably intermediate Italian now, but which is mm -hmm. a shame. Really. I, would, I would love to keep the language up because that, that, it's another country I absolutely love and it's a, it's a beautiful language. It is, yeah. Well, I'm curious then, you mentioned how you're thinking of writing the next book with French. Why not Italian? Yeah. That's still on my list, but I know there's a there's a bit more people that speak French. You know, you you got the, the French speakers in France and in Canada, so I thought it'd be good yeah. to market it. Yeah, the francophone world is vast, yeah. just like the hispano hablante, el mundo hispano hablante. My friend, he I don't speak French. He translated it for me, so I thought it would be very handy. I've got a friend who's a translator who translated the book, so. It made more sense than than the next one. Eventually, it will be Italy. Honestly, I have so many ideas. I would love to write it in every mm -hmm. single language, include every country. But it's a lot of time, as you said. You know, okay. publishing two books in one year has been absolutely hectic. But it's been yeah. really fun. No, I can't even imagine. And I know a lot of people that I follow on Instagram are wanting to publish a book or just have published a book, a lot of creative ideas in the, the language learning or bilingual parenting community. So if you could speak more to that experience, I think that could be very helpful for people who maybe want to take that step and launch a book or have a great idea, but have no idea how to even get it off the ground. Yeah, I know. I, I, I was in the same shoes. I did. Originally, I sent my manuscripts to traditional publishing houses, but I don't really think that they understood the vision, I think maybe because it was a lot to do with bilingualism, maybe they didn't understand it too much. But so I kind of gave up. This was a few years ago. So then I came back to it during the pandemic, made some changes and then thought, you know what, I'm just going to publish it on Amazon now. because you can become you can become a self-published author through Amazon, which is called Amazon KDP. And there have been so many people who have published through this um platform and it's made it it's made it possible for anyone to be an author if you have an idea then why not publish it yourself and the good thing with becoming a publishing a self-published author is you have all of the control there's no one telling you you need to make the changes there's mm -hmm. no one saying okay we'll publish it in two years you can publish it then and there it is it's quite a simple process but it is a lot of work like yeah. anything like anything yeah, yeah, I think people think the same with podcasts, with YouTube channels. You know, you watch a five minute video thinking, oh, that looks, you know, that looks like fun. Maybe I'll make a YouTube yeah. channel. But you have no idea all the hours of editing, oh, hours of planning and setting up, a, you know, a scene. And I think it, there's so much behind these beautiful, we can call yeah. it work, works of art that people create, these creative things, outlets that people do. And the same, of course, is true for books. You know, you have a 20 page book or what, however long a book is and it's, months and years of thinking and yeah <laughs> yeah it was, I mean I had the idea nearly two or three three years ago I think I had the idea but it's not until the pandemic that I went back to it and said look I'm going to become a self-published author I'm going to do it all myself I'm going to make some changes I found an illustrator an editor and it was all I think all thanks to the pandemic as tragic as the pandemic's been mm -hmm. it's, it's given me the time 
and that's the key if you, it's just finding time to publish yeah. a book yeah that's a really good point i think a lot of us realized just i don't know have a different sense of time when we had to slow down yeah. and couldn't leave our houses and couldn't distract ourselves with other things exactly. it's definitely flipped our our worldview upside down a bit and the fact that everybody it wasn't just you know the uk in a lockdown it was the whole world oh, <laughs> so God, i know and it, it kept me sane because otherwise i think i'd be thinking too much i'd be watching the news all this negative news i just locked myself away put my head down and just concentrate busy. on this project yeah i'm very yes. busy yeah i think that's a really good point too i think a lot of people I know a lot of people started podcasts during that time or blogs, or, you know, and just things like people needed to be creative. Like I'm sitting around twiddling my thumbs. <laughs> I got to do something. Exactly. So tell us more about growing up bilingual, because a lot of my audience is uh, parents raising bilingual and multilingual children or people that are interested in learning languages. Um, so just tell us like what was I know you mentioned that you you enjoyed it, which is um, great as a kid, because we hear a lot of struggles that parents say their yeah. kids don't want to speak. So kind of just tell us, like, how did your parents make it fun? How did they make it important? Yeah. Why was it successful, I guess? So it was always my mum who spoke to me in Spanish because my dad was English. So I think naturally my mum just decided to speak to me in Spanish. She's mm -hmm. Spanish. So at home, I would always speak to my dad in English and then speak to my mum in Spanish. So it was, it was more the one parent, one language. Mm -hmm. I think the reason why I really loved the language and I spoke to my mum in Spanish was because we visited every summer. So every summer we would spend six weeks in Spain and I had my grandparents there, a really big family, friends, cousins. I just had a, a, a great time there. So I think by going to Spain once a year, it made me realize, okay, I really need to carry on speaking Spanish throughout the year if I want to go back to Spain and be able to have a great time and communicate with my friends. But don't get me wrong, there were times when I was growing up, if I came home from school, I, would, I wouldn't want to speak in Spanish. I'd be tired or I would quickly want to explain something that happened at school and I would explain it in English rather than in Spanish. So, it, I mean, it wasn't all a, a very easy journey, but on the whole, I did love the language. I felt proud having two cultures. I think it also depends on the age range. You know, when you're a teenager, you're quite hormonal. And <laughs> one day, yeah. oh, why do I have to speak Spanish? You know, and the next day you think, oh, yeah, I've got family there. <laughs> yeah, I think it's mm -hmm. the mood as well. If you're, you say, if, you know, you're a child and you're hungry and you're, you're going to say that you're hungry in English. You're not necessarily going to start having a meltdown in Spanish because mm. it's just naturally. So I think it's more the exposure of knowing that I would go into Spain every summer. But now I'm guessing it's quite difficult with travel. Not a lot of people being able to visit their family, so it's probably been a little bit more difficult for the children to think, okay, maybe I, I should speak the second language. And maybe they're thinking they don't need to anymore because they're not visiting because of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So I think we're quite lucky in that sense. Yeah, and it's not too far for you. I know for us, our exactly. heritage language is Polish from my husband. And it's just, it, Poland is very far from the US. So it's not like we can just drive there in a couple hours or fly there quickly. 
Yeah. Um, so it's, yeah, it's tough. And, you know, people have different financial circumstances that they can't afford to go every yeah. year. But I think it is a wonderful motivator. I've heard many, many, many people and people who grew up, uh, you know, parents and also children who grew up bilingual say that that was the biggest motivation was actually definitely, being in the country. Definitely agree. I mean, as you said, we're going to say, being just being surrounded by native speakers, you want to be able to communicate with them. Otherwise, you, you feel silly not being able to speak to your family or your friends. And did your family in Spain ever say, like, you have an accent, you sound British when you're speaking Spanish? You know what? My family never once ever said I had an accent when I spoke in Spanish. They always used to encourage me and would say I had a really, I would speak really well. But I never, when they, now that I think, when they said that, maybe they just think I, they just meant I spoke really well but I had a little bit of an accent but no my family never said that it was only my friends who were younger who would say oh you've got a bit of an accent or maybe they would mimic a word if it didn't sound too Spanish so it was more of the kids who mm -hmm. would say oh you sound really English or or would just laugh if I couldn't say a word or if I was to forget a word but which is really good my yeah that they never mimicked me they they made me feel really comfortable which is I'm so grateful that they, they actually never turned around and said you sound so English but yeah. I think I've had a mixture of an accent when I speak in Spanish anyway but they mm. never pointed it out but that's such an important thing for parents and family just to realize because if you start putting a kid down for the way that they speak or you, you correct their grammar too much or I just think there's so many ways that we can accidentally discourage use of the language um, and you know maybe not your parents but you know sometimes people have told me that the family abroad you know not meaning to they just notice it and they'll say things and make comments and people just aren't always aware that the comments could be taken very you know critically by that person and then you it's, shut down yeah. and you don't want to speak the language so I think that's really great that your family never did that no, they, but my some of my friends, you know, what kids being kids, but kids I hate kids. it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I hate it. And I'm, as you said, I'm so glad my family never did that because I, I probably wouldn't have wanted to carry on speaking. I would have been silent and said, well, I'm not going to speak it if you're going to make fun of me. It's a really, it's a really horrible thing for someone to laugh at your accent mm -hmm. if you're not, if you don't sound, you know, Spanish enough because it makes you think, what well, do I sound silly or is that what I sound like so yeah I, it's really not a good idea for people especially for children to for adults to mimic the way children speak even if they don't sound native I think never do that otherwise mm -hmm. they they will take it to heart yeah that's such an important point and just there's so many different accents you know there's different um, Spanish accents all around the world there's different you know like American English British English we don't speak the same way but it's still English it's still good Oh no, as long as you can understand, I don't see well, there's any problem. As you said, the, the northern and the southern Spanish accent is completely different. So it, it just doesn't mean we're an alien. It just means we have an accent because that is where from, I mean, an accent defines where you come from. I think, I think we should mm -hmm. have a ashamed of that. But it is annoying if you have kids mimicking your accent, which I talk about in my first book, The Spanglish Girl. Mm -hmm. Talks a little bit about the children who made fun of my accent, and then my 
grandmother encouraging me saying look you speak really good Spanish and English I bet the kids can't even speak English so why don't you next time they make fun of you why don't you turn around and just say I bet you can't speak English as well as I can speak Spanish so Mm. which was really good I had my family always encouraging me in those sorts of situations yeah no that's wonderful that's like the uh the meme on the internet that says you know don't make fun of someone's accent in English it means they speak another language yeah yeah that one Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So tell us, what is your relationship with Spanglish? Is it a language you speak often? Or did your oh, mom well, discourage you from mixing? Uh, yeah, we didn't really speak. I only put the title as the Spanglish girl for the first book. It's to show that the main character is Spanish English, but there isn't any of the mixing of the language. But okay. I think when I, I was younger, I did sometimes mix the words but it didn't happen very often mm-hmm. and then when you get to know the language a bit more you stop mixing the two but my mum would never speak to me in Spanish she's a Spanish teacher as well so I think mm. she would want me to speak it correctly with the right grammar so yeah but I think sometimes she I think in English she may have mixed a word together when I was <laughs> younger and I remember her saying I think naturally sometimes we mix the words especially if we've been tired or our brain isn't working yeah no it's a very common thing if especially if both people or all the people speaking are bilingual and you can just yeah. throw a word in it's very very common <laughs> <Take them up. laughs> yeah and what about your father does he speak spanish yeah he speaks a little bit i wouldn't say fluent but yeah he does he i think he understands more mm-hmm. than he speaks but again it's the practicing you need to go over there and spend time with other people but yeah. I would, it, it made sense for me to only speak to my dad in English. And naturally, it would feel strange speaking to my dad in Spanish anyway. Mm-hmm. But at least he doesn't feel left out if you and your mom no, are talking. He <laughs> yeah, he does. Yeah, that's good. Because that's another tricky thing when families don't share. A, like a, one parent speaks, let's say, like Chinese, yeah. and the other parent doesn't. Like you, I don't know. I, it would be tough for me as the parent that doesn't understand the other language that's why I learned my husband's language um you're Polish because of your husband yes yeah he's Polish and yeah. I learned Polish because I his family was always speaking in Polish and I was just feeling like left out like I want to know what's happening I don't want to depend on him to translate everything oh, and how's it going oh fine yeah we speak Polish at home so that's the language we're raising our kids in so oh, I wouldn't no, say I'm fluent but it's probably like oh. you're Maybe you're Italian, like intermediate. Yeah. Hi. Wow, that's really cool. Did you ever feel like you were losing the Spanish at all over the years? Or did it I'm always probably, seem very... Yeah, I'm probably losing it most now because with my partner at home, he's English. Mm-hmm. And especially when we've been in a lockdown, I've just been me and him in the house. And where I was working before, it was all in English. So it's probably ironically I know I'm writing books about being bilingual but I'm probably losing it at the moment but I am really trying my hardest to practice it so I've got a lot of friends who I speak to on WhatsApp in Spanish mm-hmm. when I phone my mom or when I see my mom we always speak in Spanish but obviously I don't see her as much now when we don't live together and I watch all my Netflix in Spanish so I do try Mm-hmm. And I've been to Spain for over two years because of the pandemic. So uh, probably when I go there next, I will realize, oh, damn, I think 
I'm probably forgetting some of the work. It won't it won't be till I go to Spain and I realise, okay, well, yeah. I've really really noticed I haven't been in Spain for a few years. So I am really trying, but the, the best way is being surrounded by Spanish speakers. And I live in the UK, so there are, there aren't that many that I can mm. that I know that I can speak to every day. And I didn't ask, but what part of Spain is your family from? Yeah, they're from the north of Spain. Um, they live in a city called Zaragoza, but they're from a village, a tiny village near Teruel. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, a tiny village. Usually, there's about 40 people that live there all the year round. Oh, wow. So pretty- <laughs> yeah, so there's... Oh, my goodness. A, I know 40. But people go... So usually around 200 to 300 people go there in the summer, which still isn't much, but it's amazing because everyone knows each other. Of course. Wow. I can't even imagine a village that tiny. <laughs> yeah. One day I'm going to write a book about the village. It'll be more for an adult's book. So Yes. Yeah, you definitely should. That is fascinating. It is. It is a pretty fascinating place. And um, this is personal, so you don't have to answer this. But mm-hmm. um, if you ever have kids, are you planning, of course, to raise them bilingually? Oh, definitely. I, I think that's the reason, again, why... I wrote the books in both, you know, English and Spanish, just to remind myself when I have children, they've got the resources and to remind myself, yeah, you, you grew up bilingual. So it's really important that they speak both languages. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But um, I am a little bit worried because my partner's English. We live in the UK. Like I had when, like the, some of the problems I had when I was younger, if I just wanted to quickly explain something to my mum, I, I would explain it in English. And I've got a feeling that might happen mm-hmm. with my kids. They're doing something and it will come naturally for me to say in English. But I, I've, I've really, when I do have children, I really want to discipline myself and speak to them in Spanish. That's why I'm, I'm doing this now. And I'm reading so much about it so that I have all the materials and I'm prepared when it comes to having children and speaking to them in Spanish. Mm-hmm. It's going to be hard, but you know, I think I'm in a good community at the moment to get tips from people. And I have to make sure that my mum only speaks to them in Spanish and I would, mm-hmm. I would love to take them to Spain every year and just spend the whole summer because I think that would be the only way they will realise that it's important to yeah. speak Spanish. That's a great plan. And I think you're touching yeah. on something that's really important, which I think all of us as bilingual parents struggle with is that you know, if you have a language, even if it's not your native, like my husband's been here for 20 plus years. So his English is more dominant now. He left Poland at 14. And sometimes like he'll want to say, you know, like it'll be more just easier to say it in English, even though Polish is his native language. And of course, for me, English is way easier. Um, (laughs) But it's a struggle. Like I I find all of us, you know, no matter what your fluency, if you're native, non-native, it's just sometimes certain domains are more dominant in a certain language and then you're in the country like you're in the UK I'm in America it's just English is just dominant and I think it is a struggle um, if one of the partners is from that dominant country and if you're you know splitting only half the time like one parent one language yeah it's just it's kind of not a risk but it's just a fact that there's going to be a lot of English exposure so you kind of have to balance uh, balance that out but I think you know every family has a different situation and a different you know percentage of language use and things and comfort levels and everybody you know we're just doing what's best um, for our families but yeah it's definitely there's a lot more 
I have, you know, I didn't realize until I was kind of deep in into parenting, like how much of a struggle this would be. Like you have like the idea, like, of course, I'm going to raise my kids bilingually. I always thought I would raise my kids in French and, um, you know, depending on who I married, but it just, yeah, I don't know. It's just, um, there's just so many more struggles that come up when you're actually doing it. <laughs> and then that's as well. So it's trying to discipline yourself. It's no yeah. one's perfect. We're only human. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And then you've got the kids and their opinions and all that <laughs> added in, which makes it even harder. As I said, with all the friends are speaking English, then it's hard for them to realize, well, why do I need to speak Polish? Or why do I need to speak exactly. Spanish? So, mm -hmm. Another reason why sometimes I'll come home and think, well, no one else speaks Spanish. When, when you have one of those days of misbehaving, mm -hmm. mum's buttons, and I'll say, well, what? none of my friends speak English, so why? Um, none of my friends speak Spanish, so why do I have to speak English? Spanish. Yeah. I'm even confusing the two languages. <laughs> um, I did have a question about the book. Is the book in both Spanish and English, or is it written in one? And then there's like another copy that's in like a copy in English and a copy in Spanish? Oh, no, they're both in um, English and Spanish. So, for example, they're one page, one paragraph is in English, and below the English paragraph is in Spanish. So it's in both languages. Perfect, yeah. So it's an actual bilingual book. It's hard to find. Yeah. Like, there's not that no. many that have both languages on the page. So I think that's really such an important contribution. And I hope you right. write many more. Yeah. Yeah, I will. This isn't the last. There's going to be many more. This one of the reasons why I decided to write bilingual books because there weren't that many out there, and especially in the UK, and there weren't many. There aren't many out there that talk about not just having the two languages, but of the, of the culture and being proud of your culture and your heritage. So I, I wanted to merge all the factors into one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's really beautiful, and I can't wait. I need to get a copy of your book so I can eat. Thank you. Even though we don't speak Spanish in our house, I think it, the message translates to whatever language. It doesn't have to be exactly. English, Spanish. It can be, exactly. you can speak French and German and still read the book if you if you speak English or Spanish and get the message. So, yeah, it's a universal message. So, it doesn't matter if the book is based in Spain or Mexico. Anyone who's got two cultures, comes from two um, heritages, will be able to feel identified with the main character. That's so great. And where can we buy the book if we're interested? Yeah, sure. You can buy it from Amazon. The Spanglish Girl is on Amazon and the Mexiglish Girl will be available also on Amazon on the 2nd of September. So a few weeks now. Wonderful. That is coming up soon. And I will be sure I will put links so that people can easily click from the show notes. Be really nice of you. And where else can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram under Bilingo Books, and you can also find me on Facebook, and you can find me on Twitter, which is Natalia Simons. I don't really use Twitter. It's mainly Instagram or Facebook. Mm -hmm. But you're on there just in case. I'm on there, yeah, for sure. Great. And I will add links, like I said, to all of that to make it very easy for our listeners. That'd be brilliant. Thank you. Thank you. And can you uh, teach us like a word or a phrase in Spanish? Yeah, so my uh, favorite phrase is sobre mesa, which mm -hmm. literally translates as upon the table. Well, that probably won't make sense to anyone <laughs> on the table, literally. Mm -hmm. What it means is it's relaxing at the table after a heavy meal. So 
when I'm in Spain, me and my family, after we've had a meal, we usually spend an hour or two at the table just just talking, letting our dinner go down. So it's a really, it's a big thing that you do in Spain. Mm-hmm. Socialising, you have a, a coffee after dinner and you, you just talk about everything. And I just think it's beautiful that there isn't really a word for that in English. And I discovered oh. it, a few years, even though every year I do this with my family, I didn't realise there was this, uh, what, this word that existed. So I um, came across it a few years ago. Wow, we really need one in English too. Yeah, I, I don't know what we'd call it, the, uh, the after meal. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think it's quite a common thing in Spain just to relax after a meal and talk to your family about everything. And mm-hmm. I just think it's a really beautiful thing that there's even a word for it. Yeah, no, I love that. I love the concept and I love my family has a habit of doing that more than I think a typical American family, but it's just healthy to just sit and relax and not rush. I feel like we're always being rushed up from the table. The minute you finish, like the waiter will bring you the bill and try and kick you out. (laughs) No, you want to, sometimes you don't even want to move after a heavy meal and you just want to have a laugh with your family or friends and and this sovereign mess it usually lasts around an hour or, or an hour and a half so mm. it's a good what, time to up. and what time does dinner usually start because I know Spaniards like to eat very late oh yeah oh well they eat a lot in uh, one day so um the, the the main lunch is two in the afternoon which is usually a three-course meal but then dinner is uh, in the summer, it's usually around nine or ten o'clock at night. Wow, yeah, that's so late for us. <laughs> but the sun is setting so differently. Like we're on the eastern. I'm in the eastern United States, and we get the sunset. Like we're on the beginning of the time zone. So for us, the sun is already going down at eight o'clock. I know, and then you go into bed. At, I mean, in the yeah. UK, I, don't, I usually eat about six or seven, and then. When I go to Spain, everyone laughs and oh, you've had your dinner already. Why are you so early? And I think, how can you eat so late? I want to go to bed at 11. But I think it's usually the summer holidays if they're staying up late. But I I do struggle when I go there to have a meal at 10 o'clock. But I I soon adapt to it. But I I quite like it earlier, to be honest. But it's also such a cultural thing because Poland, it's on the same time zone as Spain. But there's the sun gets up and goes down earlier in Poland. And they talk about if you eat too late, you're going to have nightmares. Like there's like this cultural idea of not eating late. Yeah. (laughs) So for them, like 10 o'clock would be crazy because it's dark and, you know. Hey, you want to go to bed? I can't go to, I can't sleep straight away if I've had a heavy meal at 10 o'clock anyway. Oh no, definitely not. But yeah, it's just so interesting how the sun has affected the cultures and when they eat and how they, they look at that. Well, I love that. Thank you for teaching us about Sobremesa. That's so great. And I will put, yeah, I'll put all the links so people can find us. And it was just such a pleasure to talk with you. And I'm so glad to have this opportunity. Oh, it's amazing what technology you can communicate with people from across the pond or anywhere in the world. Yeah, it's, it's great. And thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Yes, and thank you. And uh, we hope everybody will check out your books. And I can't wait to see what other books you're going to come out with, especially the French one, because we're moving yeah. to Quebec and our kids will be learning oh, French. Okay. Well, that yeah. will come in handy then. Yeah, I'll very handy. It. It'll probably take a few months though to uh, to publish. As no they rush. Do. No rush. My <laughs> kids are still little. They're two and a half and four. So oh, this well then. within the, the age range. Yep. All right. Well, take care. Thank you so much.
you too. Thank you so much for your time and enjoy the rest of your weekend. Thank you. You as well. Thank you guys so much for listening to my interview with Natalia. We hope that you enjoyed it and learned something and that you will go and check out her books, The Spanglish Girl and The Mexicalish Girl. I've added all the links into the show notes so you can easily find her Instagram, Bilingual Books, or you can click and buy her book from Amazon or elsewhere. She has lots of links listed in her Instagram uh, link tree. So I will put the link to that so that you can go and see it for yourself. And I just want to wish you a wonderful rest of your day, rest of your week, and we'll be back with another episode soon. Take care.